You're listening to the Marketing Attractions Podcast. Conversations on how nonprofit attractions are increasing attendance and sharing their missions through marketing. Your hosts are Ryan Dick and Jenny Williams of Attend Media. Jenny, today's topic, establishing buying guidelines for your media plan. I know what a media plan is, but what are buying guidelines? <laughs> yeah, so buying guidelines are, I think, kind of more known in sort of the traditional buying space of TV and radio. But I mean, essentially, it's kind of a, a checklist or kind of some direction that you would provide to the um, TV or radio buyer for what they're going to go in and negotiate. Um, so if you've got specifics around a station mix or a day part mix, you know, those are the types of things that they need to know um, to go in and negotiate the best buyer for you. Got it. So the media planner is putting together the master strategy of how the dollars will be spent. And then they hand that plan over to the buyer and it's the buyer's job to, to execute the buy. Right. And they need a little bit more detail than TV these weeks, 2554. Got it. All right. And we'll get into all that. But I, I think where this is coming from, like this topic is, you know, five, 10 years ago, this idea of, oh, it doesn't matter where your ads run because we can layer on targeting, you know, this, this third party data targeting that can follow and, and reach your audience wherever they are. So, you know, oh, you want to reach sports fans. The old way is, well, we have to buy sports content, ESPN.com, for example. And then the new way is, well, it doesn't matter where they are on the internet. We can find them because we know they're sports fans because of this third party data. So once again, it doesn't matter where your, your ads run, your ads will run where your audience is. And I think another thing we've been talking about is kind of what's old is new. And we're maybe seeing a pendulum shift back to more contextual plays. Um, there's been a lot of change in, in the space, especially in the digital targeting space on you know, evolving around privacy and cookie deprecation. So this is more about knowing exactly what you're buying and how important that is especially because more of these traditional mediums are becoming uh, available to be bought programmatically. Right. Yeah. It's, it's moving into our channels like um, TV, radio, out of home, or even if it's streaming TV, streaming radio, like to the, to the listener, to the viewer, right. It's on their TV set. It's through their, you know, the, the, the they might be using a different kind of way of getting it, but they're still, it's still TV and radio, right? So, and this sounds like super obvious, you know, but you can't buy TV programmatically like you were buying display ads programmatically five, 10 years ago. We got to start really paying attention to where these, these ads are going. Yeah. I think the, this idea of knowing what you're buying as we get into some of these more maybe premium, higher cost channels or what we kind of refer to as our impact fill channels, right? Channels where we really kind of know where the, the it's placement first, right? Right. We want to know, um, or we, we know that as running where we bought it. Um, and it tends to be, it's something that can help elevate our brand as well too. I can't elevate my brand in, you know, sites unheard of, right? Like that's just really hard to do. I might be able to get a conversion on sites unheard of, but I can't really elevate my brand that way. So this idea of don't worry about where you run as we start getting into some of these more premium channels, I think it's just, it's, it's a mistake. I think that advertisers can make, um, but it also sounds great and seems so easy of like, just worry about the audience. And, and it, there's a blend, right? Yes, definitely. Let's, there is still some good targeting available. 
that we can utilize to reach our audience, but we need to be picky about where it runs as well too. Yeah. Especially with these impactful efforts, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, okay. So let's walk through like an example, um, you know, maybe where some of the planners are, are leaving in some holes, some guesswork for the buyers to go figure out. And I think what we're going to say is, you know, traditional TV, if we're working with a traditional or, you know, a planner that's very experienced in traditional TV, they're going to provide all the buying guidelines. It's going to be perfect, but maybe this planner isn't so uh, versed in like connected TV and the line item or the, the, the guy on the plan is adults, 2554. Good luck. So maybe we can kind of unpack that a little bit. What would you see as good buying guidelines for like a traditional TV and then a connected TV plan? Yeah. Um, so for traditional, you know, all of your planning starts with research, right? So where's your audience spending their time? Um, and that's going to include everything from what that station mix looks like. Am I, you know, should we be looking at ABC, NBC, CBS to um, a day part mix? Are they, is my audience more likely to watch Prime or more likely to watch morning news? Um, so you're going to do research to get that ideal day part mix to get, um, you know, how many stations you're going to work with and you're going to work with your buyer on a lot of this, right? You're not, it's usually not a planners out there doing it all on their own. And then the buyer comes in. I mean, maybe in some, some cases that could happen, but in this space, in this industry, there's you're kind of working together with your buyer. So, um, so those directions get handed over to that buyer. And then what the buyer is going to do is say, okay, um, these become a little bit more like guardrails or if there's specifics of what you can't buy, right? That's also included in a buy guideline. Um, and that's important because now that buyer can go in with some flexibility to say, hey, based off of the research, yes, you wanted 80% prime and 20% more news, but based off the cost for these um, day parts and the target audience, we can actually get a more efficient buy if we rotate in a few of these other day parts too, right? So there's still going to be some flexibility in what's bought. It's, it's usually not, you know, the buy guidelines doesn't mean you can only buy this exactly what I said. Um, but it helps provide them some, some information so that they can come back to you with a recommendation for the best, you know, best station mix, best day part mix, best way to execute that buy to reach your audience. Okay. And then in connected TV, maybe what are some of the holes that you see? So day part mix is not a thing, right? right. <laughs> so that's not going to come into play here. Um, but there, the, the quality of the inventory is, right? So um, there's a, a few things that we like to look at in terms of defining that quality. And a lot of that's going to come with the, the publishers. Um, so it's not always necessarily a, I need to run 20% on Hulu, right? But I'm going to say, I want to run on publishers like Hulu, like Paramount, like, you know, whatever. And a lot of this will come from your research of where they're spending their time, which, you know, how many, you know, of these publishers are actually subscribing to streaming publishers they're subscribing to. Um, but you, you need to indicate what it is you want to buy here, not just the target audience, because a lot of inventory in connected TV will end up running in placements and publishers you've never even heard of. And that's not always the worst thing, but if I'm considering this an impactful channel, if right. I'm considering this a premium channel, if I'm, cons- if I'm paying three, four or five times the CPM as I am on broadcast, I want to know where it's running. Uh, and there is plenty of good inventory out there, but I think one of the traps that people will fall into is just saying, I want to buy premium inventory. Well, what is premium inventory? Like if I'm working with a vendor and I say, I want premium, give me your, the publisher list that you define as premium. And now I might give goal, I might give um, guidelines in that by detail of saying 
only buy these. Like you can't actually buy outside of these, right? I'm going to dictate the amount that needs to go on each publisher, but only buy these. I would say, you know, okay, so let me jump in real quick. And, and obviously there's some of the larger attractions out there that are buying connected TV through their own self-serve platforms, you know, in their in-house marketing team, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Like if you go back to one of the first things we started this podcast with, like for episode number one was the importance of owning your own platform, whether you have the manpower to, to run it hands on keyboard yourself, or you have an outside agency or, or freelancer do that for you. But just kind of stating like another reason why just to look under the hood and find out what's realistic. I say all that to set up is I think another trap that some folks get into, especially if they're working with an outside vendor, Hey, here's, here's my money. What do you think we should do with it? These vendors might underestimate the true cost to get into quote unquote premium publishers. Mm -hmm. So they might try to sell you on a low CPM and you're thinking, okay, great for my $25 CPM, I can get into Hulu. But when the reality is like, no way, you're not even close. Couple that with, you got to keep in mind, we're all local attractions. We're running this on a local market and that limits the amount of inventory that's available, which drives up the price. Yeah. Well, just a little tidbit on Hulu. If, if you don't see like a dedicated line item on that, you know, IO, if you're working with another vendor um, for Hulu, it's it's not going to be on your buy probably. So exactly. maybe, you know, maybe a little a sprinkling of impressions here and there, but you're not getting a, a large amount of that inventory there. And this is what we're talking about, providing those buying guidelines, being realistic with CPMs. Yep. Um, I'd say another thing, will you talk about it? Like, you know, once again, working with a connected TV vendor, you know, no one's going to, that rep is not just like, oh, we can't take all that money. They're going to take your money. Yeah, this is actually one of the trickiest things about connected TV is budget allocation um, because there's not a lot of um, great planning tools out there in terms of kind of understanding what the the full streaming audience, like unique audience is, right? So unlike TV where, or, you know, broadcast where I can go in and say, you know, I want to reach 50% of this target audience at a three-time frequency. And now I can say, well, I need X budget to do that. A little bit harder to do in connected TV just because you can't buy everything across the board, right? So, um, and even in some of these self-serve platforms like Hulu, it's all impression-based. Like, oh, you have enough inventory or you have enough budget to run plenty of impressions, right? Um, but what it's not telling me is that like, well, my budget's also going to get me like a 10 X frequency on this audience. So there are some platforms that do have some uh, better capabilities in terms of identifying a unique audience, uh, but it's still not going to be holistically across the board. So it can be tough to set that budget. Um, and I would always say, you know, take a look at the, the actual reports because they will tell you unique reach and frequency. So if you've overestimated a budget there, you can make, make some shifts once the campaign starts running. You're listening to the Marketing Attractions Podcast, conversations on how nonprofit attractions are increasing attendance and sharing their mission through marketing. Your hosts are Ryan Dick and Jenny Williams of Attend Media. Attend Media is a media planning and buying agency specializing in zoos, aquariums, gardens, and museums. For more information, please visit attend.media. Now, back to Ryan and Jenny. Okay, so we talked about the importance of providing as much detail as possible in the planning stage to the buyer, whether the planner is the buyer or the or a planner sending a plan for an outside vendor to go execute. And I, I kind of like 
using this like building a house analogy, you know, you wouldn't have the architect say, hmm, roof, $50,000, you know, and when it comes time to build, the builder is going to be like, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah, what kind of roof? Right. What what is this? All right, I'll build you the best roof I can for $50,000. I think that's a good, you know, analogy to use in the situation we're talking about. Absolutely. All right. So we touched on connected TV, but let's move to audio. Um, what are some you know buying guidelines you would want to see in an audio plan? Um, very similar to, to connected TV, really. And it's that if you want quote unquote premium publishers, and when I think of premium in this space, it's, you know, Spotify, Pandora, you know, maybe iHeart, right? So um, if I'm, if I'm, expecting my inventory to run there, I need to specify that um, on my plan, right? I need to, or in my buy guidelines, Um, whether that is a percentage that you want to run across each, or it's just saying, hey, you can run anything as long as it runs in these three, you know, streaming audio platforms. So definitely understand that you're only going to get in those platforms if you specify to buy them. And whether that is you're actually going in and buying it directly through their self-serve platforms, or you're buying it through what we call kind of a PMP. This is um, like a like a deal that is available to run inventory specifically in publisher inventory programmatically, right? So I can run, but I, but you don't have to run a minimum, right? So I can run some inventory with a specific publisher without having to guarantee a certain amount of inventory going to that publisher. So this is what we do even in the connected TV space. This would be a, an example of how you can ensure you have some premium publishers without having to guarantee a set amount of inventory running against. Yeah. So are you saying like a good plan would say, I'm I'm making up these numbers, but Hey, here's the budget for audio. And I want 20% through a Spotify PMP, 20% through a Pandora PMP, or not getting in the weeds a little bit, but it doesn't have to be in PP. They can be bought directly from the platforms. Those Mm -hmm. two publishers have their own buying platforms, which is nice. Yeah. And the nice thing about this is when you start to provide some of this direction, your buyer or campaign manager can come back to you and help set a more realistic CPM for what you're going to buy. Right. So again, if I'm thinking, oh, streaming audio, it's a, you know, $18 CPM, but because you're running it programmatically and because you're laying around a bunch of data, like that $18 CPM is now going to actually restrict you from getting to run into, you know, Spotify and Pandora because these CPMs can be much higher when you're running in a programmatic platform. You know, some of the benefits about doing it that way are the fact that you can kind of dedupe that audience across multiple platforms. Um, so there are benefits, but there is a cost associated with that. Okay. Um, let's talk about online video. Um, so online video, I mean, the, you know, online video and I would say even online display, those are kind of like two of the areas where a lot of that open exchange inventories available. So this is really where a lot of our programmatic buys, um, you know, started. And we said, this, you know, we don't care where it runs, right? Just try to find that audience. Um, I think just one call out I would say here is when you're running programmatic video, right? You're, you're not running YouTube. So you're going to have to buy YouTube direct. So oftentimes when we're looking at our online video plans, we're doing some type of combination between YouTube and, um, and programmatic video. So Again, if I'm thinking of buy guidelines, I'm going to tell my buyer, I want to incorporate YouTube into this, into my online video, right? And I might work with them to determine how much of that budget goes there. But if I don't specify I want YouTube, I'm not getting YouTube because I have to buy that separately. Right. And and just as a point of clarification, you're saying, okay, 
the there are going to be two line items on this online video plan, YouTube in, in your example, and then the second line item, I think you call it a programmatic video. Er, I don't know. I'm going to be nitpicky on that. It's maybe like open exchange video. It's okay if this runs on 5,000 different websites, as long as it meets this XYZ criteria. Right. And that XYZ criteria in this, in this case is my audience. Yeah. And then we have on our notes here, like retargeting. Usually this open exchange inventory is a great place for your retargeting efforts. Yeah. I don't want to dictate that if I have someone who's come to my site and maybe they, they didn't buy a ticket, right? I don't want to dictate that I can only serve them another ad if they go to ESPN.com, right? Like I'm good. Like we've called, we've, you know, had some qualification for this user who's come to our site that we want to continue putting our message in front of, you know, we don't want to put too many restrictions on where that ad's going to run. And this is exactly what we're talking about when we say impactful and opportunistic. Yeah, 100%. Impactful in this case is going to be the YouTube. It's going to be, you know, a legit spot on YouTube. And then are we, you know, are opportunistic where we're looking for people to reasonably have a chance to convert. That's more of our retargeting play. That is not placement first. It's not content first. It's audience first. Yeah. I mean, I would probably argue that YouTube would, could still fall into our opportunistic um, bucket. But if I think of like my connected TV, let's go back to, to that, right? I, it, that's my impactful. I absolutely care where that's running. Yes, I might know the publisher for YouTube in terms of where that video is running for online video, but I can still run that for, like, I still have more ability to run that in terms of like a one-to-one messaging and to find that audience further, even if I kind of know the platform. Um, I mean, it's the largest video, you know, site in in the world, right? So it's, um, there's there's a ton of inventory to kind of optimize and, and find that audience on. All right, let's add that to the topic list for next episode. Yeah, we need a we need a separate deep dive yeah, into Ryan online and video. Jenny argue if YouTube is impactful. <laughs> uh, that's what the audience really cares about. Okay, let's move on to uh, out of home. So I think this has been an interesting one, uh, an inter- interesting channel because uh, a lot of people who you know have been super excited about programmatic out of home and kind of this ability to run your message across any digital out of home screen. And when we say out of home, I feel like feel like nowadays it's like open the door and whatever you see outside is out of home, right? It's, it's place-based advertising. So it's more than just billboards. But, um, but this, uh, this shift to buying programmatic um, does the same thing that it's done in other channels, right? It opens up the inventory that we can run on, it opens up the, the digital screens that we can run across. And so it can be everything from digital billboards to gas station TVs to um, a digital screen in an elevator in a downtown corporate office, right? It can be a digital screen at a bar by the jukebox by the bathrooms, right? So understanding the inventory is important because again, you know, we're grouping out of home as an impactful channel. And I don't know that I would consider inventory running in a bar by the bathrooms behind the jukebox as being impactful inventory, right? And I'm not saying there's not a case to ever buy that inventory. But when we think of programmatic and screen agnostic, I love the idea of this, right? Because it can really like scale your media plan. But we don't always want to scale it to everywhere, right? Again, we are, you know, when we think about nonprofit attractions, I mean, do we want our mission-based messaging running in, you know, uh, in bars and, you know, places that are maybe not like perfect for our message? Probably not. Now, 
yes, you can place audience targeting. So that's going to help kind of restrict it from being on screens that maybe your audience is, gonna, is not going to be at. But I would argue there's plenty of parents at, uh, at bars. <laughs> so, um, but I think this is important because again, just back to the whole purpose of this episode is like, you want to know what you're buying in these particular channels. Yes, you might get a good, a, you know, good percentage of your programmatic out of home video writing on digital billboards, but you're going to get a mix of a lot of them that are inventory and you may or may not want that. So the buy guidelines I would provide can be, I want 100% digital billboard inventory for my programmatic out of home buy, right? That's all I want to buy. Or it could be, you know, I'm good with movie theater screens, airports, gas stations, and billboards, right? So that direction needs to be included. Um, And again, this is something that you're going to work back and forth likely with your campaign manager on, but don't put it as a line on your plan that you just hand to a a digital out-of-home vendor, a programmatic out-of-home vendor, and just say, here you go. All I care about is the audience. And and I'll add it again. Oh, it's a great CPM. We're getting a great deal. Right. Mm. And I will say, you know, you'll find, I think this is probably warrants another kind of deep dive episode in this, um, in this topic, but what you will find, so if you're going into a local market and you're trying to do um, maybe a programmatic out-of-home buy and you just want billboard inventory, like you might be better off just going in and buying a digital rotary with, the, with that out-of-home vendor directly versus the programmatic execution of it. So there's you know, pros and cons. You've got to kind of weigh the benefits um, you know, versus the price and the cost of it. Uh, I think a lot of times people think it's cheaper to go programmatic, but when, once we start getting into these more impactful channels, it's, it's really not cheaper oftentimes to, to go programmatic. So like it's um, definitely something that's changed from when we first started going into like display and online video. It was cheaper to do that programmatically than go into a site direct and pay a 10 or $15 CPM. But we're not really seeing that nowadays anymore, especially as we're looking at the more impactful channels. What's old is new. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll round this out with uh, with display, our favorite. Yeah, um, you know, kind of like the digital video, um, you know, retargeting. We don't want to control that that particular site. We're okay with it running an open exchange inventory, um, but you know, make sure that you've got some brand brand safety um, you know layers onto what you're running. Um, take a look at publisher list as well too. You, know, you should have a, a campaign manager that's going in and weeding out, you know, bad placements. But um, but there's some ways to control inventory here too a little bit more. So if you're thinking about your display running and maybe um, you know, a larger a larger banner ad or format or you know, kind of some of those ads that stick to the bottom of the page as you scroll, like a lot of the um, a lot of the inventory that's available to run on that is on more premium sites. So that's one way of kind of one being able to elevate the brand a little bit more with the type of placement that you're running, but then to also ensure that you're on some maybe like safer sites or, or better sites, kind of limit the inventory that you can actually run across. Absolutely. Okay. So let's kind of wrap this up with, you know, kind of some tips or some takeaways on, you know, maybe making sure that we have proper buying guidelines. So what we think we're buying is actually what we are buying when it, uh, it all hits the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the, the end of the day, it's the job of the the media planner or the, the media plan really to, to establish what these buy guidelines are, right? And I think you as the advertiser, whether it's your internal team, whether it's an agency, whoever you're working with to do this, like you, I mean, ask these questions, like, what are we buying? And if the answer is, especially in these impactful channels, if the answer is just an audience, I'd be a little, you know, I'd, I'd push a little bit and, and, you know, maybe as that, that buy starts to, to go into play, I would, 
I would ask for the details. How are you setting up this campaign? I, I want to see how this is, is being done. And I'll add a point here, and, it, and this sounds just so basic and so elementary, but we've seen it. We, you, know, you do yeah. these audits and you see these holes there. Well, I've run campaigns <laughs> over years thinking I was getting something yeah. that I didn't. Yeah, you know? you've learned some tough lessons, yeah. right? But you know, you, you've said it a few times throughout this episode is that planner being connected with that buyer, or sometimes that role is, is done by one person, but being realistic with your CPMs. Mm-hmm. Once you know I want to go buy this particular platform or this particular channel, being realistic with those CPMs, don't just cram a, a plan down the line because the CPMs look good. Right, yeah. Like the motivation of the planner is to put something that looks great on paper and it's only going to cost XYZ. You're just kind of handcuffing the buyer. Like, I can't buy that. Right, yeah. It's it's good to start seeing too how much does this inventory actually cost, right? And, and you're really saying that the, the gap is within these newer channels, so... Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have on here more detail. In my experience, more detail is always needed. Like there's, I feel like you can't, <laughs> you can never provide too much unless you're using all of that to handcuff, right? Like you're providing as much information as possible so that your buyer can come back and put the best buy together as possible, whether that's in traditional linear TV, whether that's in connected TV, whether that's in display, online video, the more information you can provide them, the better. And it's not just about the audience. And then I like your last tip here, uh, reporting. Yeah. I mean, validate the buy is being executed as planned by, you know, establishing a reporting cadence. You know, maybe once that campaign kicks off after that first week, you're getting some feedback, uh, maybe pulling some quick publisher reports. Is it delivering the way that you talked about? Or maybe you're using it to recognize like, hey, it's not delivering the way we thought it was going to. Let's make some adjustments. Are we okay making these adjustments? And maybe we, you know, losing a, a publisher or two or a placement that we were hoping to get because the reality is that inventory is actually much more expensive than it was when we planned this six months ago, right? Like once yeah. it's running, you yeah. know, now it's what's the cost of it today, not what was the estimated cost, you know, six months ago in the planning. Yeah, I would say, you know, I'm envisioning, you know, a three, four week flight, a big push for an event. Right. I would say, let's say we're going to launch on Monday. We planned it six months ago. We we're launching on Monday. I want to see a report, whether once again, it's my in-house team or especially if it's my agency, especially if it's a vendor, I want to see a report Wednesday or Thursday or whatever it may be to have that alignment check before this short flight is over. And I get an after campaign report and it's like, wait, that's not what we bought. Yeah. And, you know, trust comes into play here too, right? So do I need to see like every detailed report every three days? You know, I mean, if my, especially if I have an internal team and my campaign managers have been doing this for a long time, like I've established some trust here, of course, right? of course. but, um, but you know, you're running with a new vendor, right? Or you're, you know, especially if this is something where you're bringing in partners to kind of help you execute this, I would absolutely ask it. Don't feel bad about it. And they'll, they'll share it with you, right? No one's trying to hide anything. It's just, you want to know before the campaign ends that it didn't, you know, there's, there's something else happening with the delivery versus, uh, well, you said we could run wherever we wanted to run and just reach, just hit the CPM, right? That's what we want to be real careful about. Jenny, thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Marketing Attractions Podcast. If you have a suggestion for a topic or would like to be a guest on the show, please visit our website at marketingattractionspodcast.com.